0: You're not about that life, champ. I can see it. Game over, man. Game over. He runs with the 50. He runs with the 40. The guy is drunk. Playoffs? You kidding me? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Here we go. Play to win the game. That was one heck of a timeout.
1: I mean, listen, we're talking about
0: practice. Ron is in trouble. My style
1: is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah.
0: EA Hunter sarcastically speaking about sports
1: podcast. Sarcastically speaking about sports, but not really speaking a ton of sports. But if I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. It's my podcast. I can talk about whatever the fuck I want what happened and today i'm going to be talking to chad with two d's beals uh stand-up comedy comedic friend of mine stand-up comic um jack of all many trades uh stand-up comic very good um sacramento-based comedy producer puts on shows you know and you'll hear in the podcast, you know, traveled the world doing work, you know, he's a wine guy, family man, and overcame a lot to get where he is and I find him a very interesting individual, so I decided to interview him. He's going to be the first of many. This is I'm I'm going to be doing a lot of these. I'm going to be reaching out to people I know in the local Bay Area, Sacramento area stand-up comedy world and just talking to them. I'm going to actually be getting back out there myself too yes yes I keep saying I'm going to but I'm going to I was going to actually host um, the two shows um, that Mr. Beals has coming up but I decided to bow out with my health issues I didn't want to you know I didn't want to commit to something and then not know if I was going to be able to do it um, is one. number two I want to actually get out and do some stand up get my stand up legs underneath me because I ain't going to lie I'm haven't, 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 haven't rocked the mic in a minute, you know, haven't. Yeah. Um, I was going to get into a little bit of something before, but you know what? No, Um, I let, I I, 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 we got a pretty meaty thing here, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, Enjoy uh, Mr. Chad with two D's Beals.
0: What's up my friend? Chad
1: with two D's. Yes, sir. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, how
0: are you doing? Not bad,
1: man, not bad and like I said earlier, when you hit me up right on time, fucking punctuals, I don't know what i mean i saw, I, I mean like ever, i'm used to I'm just used to people. you know, you tell them, tell 'em you know hey hey let's let's get together about this time, and you usually seem like like half hour later or whatever you
0: know what I'm saying, yeah, I don't know, I've always been punctual It doesn't run in my family, all my sisters and my brother are always late to everything. I don't know what it is. Well, you know what? Even when I'm selling, like I was saying earlier, when I'm selling weed, to people are like, "Damn, bro, I'm like 15 minutes late. You were right on time." I'm like, "Well, we set 12:15, so I'm gonna be there
1: 12:15." So you don't. So, so where did that come from?
0: I don't know. I really have no idea.
1: You just, you just can't, just can't, you, Were you, were you, um, did you, were you bur- born on time?
0: <laughs> I have no clue. Dude. Okay. My mom don't tell me shit like that. She, she said I was. She was mad I was born at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your mom said this.
0: <laughs> no, she never said that. Right. On. Anyway, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing, B. A.
1: Man, you know, I, 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 well, I mean, like I told you before in the text messages or whatever we were talking, I've been better.
0: You know, going through some health stuff yeah. or whatever. You know, and like, yeah, I would get a hold of get a hold of that lady and see if she can help you, man.
1: Well, you, like I said, I saw like online you were dealing with some some stomach stuff yourself.
0: I yeah, I went through through a whole trip to Tennessee, just needing a bathroom every six minutes and. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was a bad trip.
1: How long? I mean, if you don't if you don't mind me asking, um, how long how long did you go through it?
0: Uh, I went through it for five minutes going through Kaiser, or five five months going through Kaiser, uh, trying to do all their testing, figure it out, and it just nothing was helping. Nothing was helping. And basically, what happened was, is I got an infection. They gave me some antibiotics. The antibiotics killed all the the good and bad bacteria. Turned my stomach inside out to where I was constipated all the time. Just, I mean. Deathly feeling like I was going to just want to die, actually. You know I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, gastrointestinal problems. And then uh, my wife had gone through something similar years ago and saw this, what I always call a witch doctor, but I saw her work. I mean, she's a, a nutritionist. And, uh, yeah. and I was like, shit, I'm going to go see her because I saw her work with my wife and I don't believe all that, you know, uh, they call it resistance response testing where they pull your arm and put pills on your belly and stuff.
1: Yeah. A and thing. I would say
0: – Yeah, holistic. And I would say within a month of after seeing her, I was, I was good to go again. So then I cut back on the pills, which are all natural pills. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, side effect warnings on them or anything, you know? Right. Um, so I started cutting back on the pills she gave me and it instantly started coming back. So then I stayed, I got back on them, stayed on them. It went away again. And it's been about six months and I've pretty much weaned myself off of all of her pills, except for the little, uh, the little, um, Depression pill that she gave me in there that's supposed to help your depression, Men checks. I kept that because whatever it feels like maybe it helps a little bit.
1: <laughs> you know, but you know what though, man? A a real talk because like uh, you you're you're probably close in age to me. I'm fifty one. If you don't mind, I me. turned honestly.
0: fifty in like eight days.
1: Yeah, right on. Well, happy early birthday. But like you come from the same generation as I do in that the whole like depression thing. Like we don't. It's just suck it up and just deal with it and like right and uh, dude the fact that you're like hey you know what let's check out one of these pills or whatever and you know what just to let you know i me myself going through all this shit i found myself and they they ended up prescribing something and i just now started using it I, at first i was pretty resistant to it because you know you did this yeah. is a stigma you know you don't
0: you know i thought well, like- and i'm i'm resistant to all pharmaceutical medicines i just don't believe in it um i mean but this uh, stum- those stomach issues, man, they threw me into a depression. I was canceling shows, missing work. I'm my mom's caretaker. I'm doing a poor job caretaking for my mom because I'm still so, so sick, and it. Just, I got pretty bad, there for as far as uh, emotionally for a while, you know.
1: Did you did you drop a bunch of weight?
0: I wish I would have dropped a bunch of weight. That's <laughs> the one. That's the one side effect I was hoping for. But
1: oh yeah, see, nah, dude, I I've dropped about. 20 pounds um yeah i dropped about eight uh, yeah no nah, i nah, nah, do i'm 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 at i'm at a point to where like this morning because like i am finally i feel like i finally hit a point to where i, I might have i don't know just with just different foods I, I can tolerate or whatever but like i got on the scale and i got fucking happy because i saw that i'd put on five pounds i'm like god damn that's a trip. Yeah. That's no, trip. I get that. Flipping life back and forth in the other way. But, you know, you you, um, you um, touched upon something else when I first called. And what were you saying? You were saying something about.
0: Oh, I was saying I was waking up from a little nap because I watched the Kings game at about 2 in the morning on recording a couple nights ago. And I must have fell asleep. And I woke up to the postgame interview. And they're interviewing Mike Brown. And I was like, what the hell is b B-800? And I didn't see it with him. <laughs> I just heard him. <laughs> What the hell is B.A. Hunter doing on the Kings game? And then, you know, came out of my slumber, realized it was Mike Brown. I was like, shit, why is B.A. Hunter not doing funny skits impersonating Mike Brown? Because, I mean, he might be a little darker than you, bro, but you guys got the same charisma. You sound the
1: same. You you know what's – well, see, like, when I hear that,
0: like – I had to go back and rewatch it a couple times just to make sure I wasn't (laughs) tripping. And I was like, damn, he sounds – him and B.A. on a lot alike.
1: Well, I t- I tell you what, boy, Mr. Mr. Brown right now is the toast of Sacramento, man. Oh man. I, I, I Loving mean, it. I well dude well, let me let me ask you. So where are you where are you born and raised? Sacramento. Are you? I didn't yep. no, I wasn't sure. I didn't wasn't sure. You're born yeah. and raised Sacramento. So so have you always been
0: a, a Kings fan? Since they moved to since the day they moved to Sacramento.
1: Damn, so you so dude, so you know, so like you know all like and so, how does it feel for you right now with what the Kings are doing? Oh, um,
0: man, dude, I am through the roof right now. I'm excited. Everybody's like, oh, well, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to get beat. I'm like, they've been overcoming everybody's doubts, every obstacle, every, oh, well, all these trades, Kevin Durant to the Suns. Uh, the, the Lakers got tougher. The Warriors are monsters. Well, every everybody's been 100% wrong since then, and the Kings just keep doing it and keep doing it. Seven-game road trip. About to be an eight-game, eight-game win streak on the road tonight. You know what I mean? Like, who can't they beat, Again. and why can't they beat them? Because they don't have experience. We got two all stars on our team that are balling out of their heads. We got shooters all over the place. We got a big man that can get the, get get the ball to the shooters. Our defense sucks, but they know how to tighten up when they can. I'm not saying they're going to go far or they're going to get a championship or, or any of that, but why not?
1: Right, right. Well, you know, my my um my wife is um, a season ticket holder. She's been a she's been and I say my wife because they're her tickets. She she went out and buy them, and and I'm not even going to front like. I, I'll go to the I don't go to every game with her I'll go to some of the games um and like my wife my wife isn't like like when I say she's a diehard fan, she's like she's like die diehard. Like Oh, like, she's
0: diehard. I've been watching you guys on Facebook for a while. Your wife is diehard.
1: Dude, dude, like <laughs> like like and I for real, like I tell this story to people. Like if you ever go to a, a fucking Kings game and they're down by like fifty points, you'll you hear somebody from the Raptors screaming, Defense that'd be my fucking wife, man. She's That's is,
0: either your wife or the sign lady, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah.
1: Is that you know what I she's still come? I've feel like I haven't seen she's her.
0: She's still coming Games and she is still making signs. Uh,
1: didn't she? I thought she had like a cancer thing a little
0: while. She did, there. but she's uh, she beat it. I, I don't know if she one hundred percent beat it, but she's doing all right. I saw her at the last Kings game. I was, at, I was like, "You go, girl! This is your year."
1: I, you you but, know, but you know, the thing with the Kings though too that trips me out is the fact that like I remember I do like like time just is just 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 has flown by because I can remember the heyday which is obviously like the last time they were in the fucking playoffs when they, when, when they had Vlade and, and Chris. Oh, Webber. yeah, we had that
0: good stretch.
1: Yeah, and it feels like that wasn't that long ago. But Sixteen years, baby. I dude, and it's not, and like, and I was talking to my wife this morning about the Kings, and her thing now is, is she's like, because now she's got everyone at her job hitting her up, wanting tickets, wanting to come. Oh, I'm sure that and the other, and now she's yeah. like, she's just like, I'm getting fucking pissed now because all these front runners want to glob on now that they're winning or whatever. I'm like, it is what right. it is,
0: man. It is. Everybody's what turning their Warriors jerseys inside out into a Kings jersey now. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, don't get me wrong, I turned down quite a few games. During the bad years, but I went to a lot of games too. Yeah, me too. But, me, me. But well, I ain't turning down one ticket right now. You, I'll go to any game. I'm going tomorrow night. Somebody offered, offered me a ticket. I'm like, let's go.
1: Yeah, my wife, she'll be she'll be at that <laughs> game tomorrow night. I think I'm gonna yeah. go. I think I'm gonna, probably gonna. I'm gonna try to go maybe Saturday. See how I feel. Saturday. I feel up to it. I might go Saturday. You know.
0: Um, I'm excited though, man. Sacramento deserves this, and. Uh, You know what? They got a squad, dude. It reminds me of the old days. Even better than the old days. We got shooters all over the place. Everybody's playing their asses off. Did you see that? Obviously, they can lock down on defense when they need to. I wish they would step that up a little bit more. But if it it means costing that great offense, how much more defense do we really want? Because they're wearing teams out. I mean, even if teams are getting up by by the end of the third quarter, the start of the fourth quarter, they're wore out trying to slow them down.
1: Well, I tell you, well, we'll see. And... I don't know how you felt. I mean, and I that's and I, defense
0: in itself, right? <laughs> you know,
1: I, having well, your offense wear them down, sure. Hey, if it, if it gets us the W in the end, that's all we're asking
0: for. That's understand. all that matters. Yeah. You
1: so, so last year when they made the trade, Halliburton for uh, for uh, DeMontis Sabonis, how did you initially feel about that trade?
0: I was okay with it, and I was also uneasy with it because my in my heart I was like, man, I wish they would have traded Fox. Not that I don't like Fox, but See, man, me, look at Halliburton, too. dude. Exactly, Halliburton is a complete. I mean, he was, and he's just that was his second season or first season, whatever season it was. He was just you know, and Fox is great, and obviously with Sabonis, Fox is a, an all star and amazing. But I was okay with it. I was like, okay, well, we can't have Fox and Halliburton. We can't have two guards that do the exact same thing. I just thought. Halliburton was a little bit shinier. He still might be in point uh, position for position, but Fox and Sabonis, man, that is it. I mean, that's that's a big two right there. Then he throw in any one of our guys that get hot right behind him, and that's a big three. And now we got Keegan Murray to go with it. Yeah. What are they going to look it. like next year? What are they going to look like next year? Uh,
1: dude, who, uh, you,
0: well, you-, you already see Keegan Murray, Murray starting to dribble that ball and uh, go to the hole a little bit more. And he starts going to the hole with success all the time. He's going to be unstoppable from the three point line because they're going to have to back off of them and it's just, it's going to be a, it'll be a nightmare
1: yeah dude yeah you definitely know you you are not just talking the talk man i mean you know you are a fan you know what i'm saying you're, I hitting, am you're a fan you're, you're hitting a lot of the same points the same points that i like i because i figured with fox and halliburton i just i looked at it as they we i figured we'd tried it long enough with fox maybe we need to move on so Right. I figured, but then I thought, you know what? They've already they they've already geed him up. They've given him all that money, so you know. And so when they made the trade, I was like, I was crestfallen. I'm like, are you serious? This Halliburton kid, you can see he's gonna be a future star in this league. And well, I sure. knew I knew Sabonis is an all star, but I didn't know that much about him as a player. But Dude, the man. I haven't
0: watched enough. I'd never watched enough of Sabonis. I knew he was, I knew, I knew who he was and what he, what he does, but I didn't know he was going to come out and just be what he is here. I mean, obviously the systems he's been in haven't, haven't been his system because geez, how could you trade? How could you take Sabonis? How would you take Miles Turner over Sabonis? Right,
1: right, right.
0: right. Not that Miles Turner is bad. He's a typical center. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a great player, but man, Sabonis is, you know, Sabonis is special, man. He's, he's Nick uh, Jokic. He's, he's, Devos, what Dvots was even better than devots obviously.
1: Oh yeah, he ain't out
0: smoking cigars and drinking every night.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, De- yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. It's exciting, man. It's, I'm excited for 2nd I'm moving in June. I'm moving to Tennessee, and, wow. and I'm still gonna be a Kings fan, obviously. Um,
1: well, well, you know that's a good that's a good segue because we could sit here and talk
0: Kings probably for an hour. And I don't, yeah, yeah right. right. But
1: but um, so so you're 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 moving, definitely
0: moving. Definitely, I bought a house two years ago in Tennessee, and we uh, we've been I I sold my house here in in the mountains in California. That when my dad passed away, to come take care of my mom because he was my mom's caretaker, and we did that for the last two years. In the process, when we sold our house, I wanted to we knew we were going to move to Tennessee, so I wanted to reinvest early. So I bought my house two years ago, Um, which was a good thing because it's already gone up one hundred and fifty thousand in value in two years. So Nashville, we bought right. Nashville? We bought right at the crest. Right at the crest of when everybody was starting to flee California for Tennessee. We bought immediately and, and since then housing prices have gone through the roof out there too.
1: Is it so is it is it is Nashville? Tennessee No, it's
0: eastern Tennessee. It's eastern? about an hour and a half from Nashville up by Kentucky, way up in the mountains.
1: I was listening to I think I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how, yeah, Californians are are, are, are showing up there and it's kinda like Pissing people off too—that more Californians. Pissing
0: people off. I had to. I had to go through a little bit of. Ah, oh, you guys are moving here. This and that. Got to vote blue. This uh-huh, and that. Uh-huh. Um, which, uh huh. Uh huh. Which I vote either way. I want. I vote for each topic individually. So uh, you know, um, I mostly ends up being voting conservative right now because that seems like the the best choice. But it doesn't mean it always is. You know,
1: uh, dude. Like for the. I grew up a Democrat. Is what I grew up, but. Over the I would say that over the last five years, I've just gotten to the point to where I don't I don't really give a damn what the, the political stance is, you know, because there's certain certain things, you know, it's, it's a whole it's the whole Chris Rock. A bit, you know, some things I'm conservative about and some things I'm more liberal about, you know, right? I'm definitely
0: a libertarian, so uh, that's what I consider myself. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I I, I
1: mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, I'm I'm, I'm voting for whoever's gonna let me keep the most of my fucking money is what it comes down to. Yeah,
0: whatever's gonna keep you out of my back pocket is what I'm voting for, exactly, exactly, and Mm -hmm. do whatever the fuck you want in my front pocket. I don't give a shit, (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: so so. where did you know what? I was I was racking my brains and because me and you met doing stand up,
0: right? It had to be around 2012 because I know you did some shows at the sporty with us, um, right? Right, and, and I started in two, late 2011, so it had to be somewhere 2012, 2013. How did you, how did you get started? I got started by going to some support Laurel Martin. You remember Laurel, um, at, had her open mic just going to be in the crowd and being from Elk Grove. I knew a bunch of people there, and I was drunk, and everybody's like, Oh, you should go do a set. I, said, I don't do comedy, man. Oh, but you're hella funny. You're one of the funniest guys we ever knew. And I go, yeah, but that doesn't relate to the stage, I don't think. You know what I mean? And finally got double dog dared and went up and she left me up there for like 10 minutes and all I did be, I had no material. All I did was talk shit about everybody I knew, sister in the audience, everybody's mom and dad, every person I knew that was there. And it was funny. And it was drunk, but um, it wasn't stand-up. But I kind of caught the bug from there and was like, you know what? This shit's kind of fun. So I went home and started going to open mics and started you know probably that's around when i met you and i met yeah. like mike Betancourt and i met like um I seen mikey winfield always in his notebook at every open mic every, every every place i went and and started you know shane murphy was another one that i started asking him questions and just and just following their leads you know writing down premises uh something i think's funny write it down and see if i can make it funny go up on stage talk about it if it's funny work on it keep it
1: Right yeah, yeah, you kept. And so TV.
0: far, I have about ten minutes of funny material <laughs> since two thousand and eleven. <laughs> it's ten
1: minutes. I'm sure you have <laughs> more, more than that. So you, yeah. so you then you do stand ups and then you you shift into doing your own shows.
0: Well, I started pretty much doing my own shows because the real wanted me to help her. I kept telling her we need to stop doing. After I got into it for a few months, I'm like, we need to change this from an open mic to a book show out there in Elk Grove, like. You know what I mean? Um, you know how open mics are, dude. I mean, even though the old girl was a good open mic, because it did have a lot of people there that weren't comedians. It, it, but, man, 20 comics, we were wearing the crowd out. and People were – it was getting old, you know?
1: You recognized that and early on.
0: I recognized that, like, early, early on. That, um, and also, I was thinking we could not necessarily make it lucrative money-wise, but I, I thought, you know, I'm like, we can start charging money and actually paying five comics or four comics or whatever it is with the headliner, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And we didn't make any money at first, but we, we always, you know, we made our – and I don't know, just it was cool because I was friends with the owner of the bar, with the sporty, and being able to have somebody to work with and kind of see how bars work. Because I've, I've never been in the service industry before. I've never been in, like, entertainment before. I've always been a machine shop guy. I've always been a welder. Um, always been funny. Always had a good personality. Always got along with people, but just never in that position. Right, right, right. And so – we did the sporty for a year of book shows and then, and, and that, I was living out in center Heights, and then um, just started meeting people, met, met my Muerto tequila guys and then they owned a the bar and yeah. that was the Inferno. You remember the Inferno? Oh yeah. I remember but that. even before <laughs> the Inferno, like the bar I would go to after work out in Lincoln was Foster's and uh, I'm in there BS and with him. And that's actually where I met the guys from Muerto. They came in to, to promote their, their tequila. And then we started talking and then the bartender's like, well, we should do a show here. So I, started thinking about it and I was like, well, shit, let's do a show here. So we did some shows there. Those were successful. Did a couple of little small bars in between those. And, and then the Inferno is I became closer friends with those guys. And that was a monster. You know, that was a monster. You were there. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever happened with that place? Um, they got, one of the bartenders was selling Coke out of there pretty heavily Okay. and got in a sting operation. And one of the owners, not my friend was, uh, Anyways, he was one of those guys Uh-huh. and, and he wasn't in the Coke thing. He wasn't doing any of that stuff or anything, but he had other things to lose like the tequila and other, other investments. And he just pulled the plug and said, fuck it, we're and I'm not having, this isn't going to fuck with the rest of my life, you know, well, wait, well, good for but I had already stopped doing shows there. I was already sensing bad vibes. I was already sensing the crowd changing, not my, not at my shows, but just at the bar. And, uh, huh and wasn't liking the feel anymore. So, like two months before that even happened, I had stopped doing shows there and actually started going out to other places. Um, so you've never, pretty,
1: so you've never ever stopped. You've been doing
0: shows from the, the whole time, yes. In, in, well, except for COVID. So what the the shitty thing about COVID was, um, you know, I'd gotten to where I was going out and doing road road trips and headlining on the road, and you know, doing forty five minute sets. Nothing, no big shows, but you know, Wyreka up and Richland, Washington, and Joker's and here, there and everywhere. And, um, and I was on a roll before COVID hit, uh, you know, where I was getting booked and I was gone two or three weekends a month making okay money, not making good money, but you know, but getting my chops out there and getting my 45 minutes to an hour every night. Uh-huh. And then I was supposed to headline punchline or, or close out Sam Bam show at punchline, which would have been, a fun, even though I'm not a huge fan of the comedy club scene just because they don't really treat us the greatest. I mean, as far as money wise, but I love doing punchline and laughs and all those clubs but Closing out Sam Bam's Comedy Jam at Punchline on my birthday would have been phenomenal.
1: Hell yeah, it would have been.
0: And, uh, money, making money or not, because it's not always about the money, but, um, and that's right when co- my birthday is obviously April 5th and COVID, I got the word that we were shutting down like March 20th, and, and that kind of put it to boss on everything. <laughs> wow. And I didn't do any virtual shows, and I wasn't interested in any virtual writing sessions or all that crap other people did. It's fine if that's what you did, but, um, I don't really do open mics anymore because I need laughter. I need audience participation. I need to know. Otherwise it's, it doesn't work for me. You know what I mean?
1: So you, so you work out all your material while you're actually
0: just performing then just performing. Yeah, man. That's and not... I write on stage. So like, I, I don't know, man, I was getting ready to do a show a month ago and it was like 20 minutes before the show started and I'm talking to my buddy. He's apologizing that he's not going to be able to make it. And he just throws out some stupid cocaine bear movie one line bit or whatever. And it popped in my head. I'm like, oh shit, there's material in here. So I just went on stage. First joke out of my mouth was, so what's this fucking cocaine bear shit? Like, if we really, first of all, let's let's talk about the let's talk about what's really going on. Are we really out of ideas to make movies that you know, you know, that we have to use cocaine bear? What about meth bear? This, there, about bear? You know what I mean? And then just kind of went in on this. And I could, I didn't think it was even going to hit, but I was just ranting about it, and it, it fucking hit hard. And then you know, like my wife's like, what do you rant about cocaine bear for? Blah blah blah. Or, uh, if there's really shit in the woods, where do they do, where do they do cocaine? I said, I don't know, but if they're anything like humans, they fucking do cocaine where they shit. So, you know, like, (laughs) and it just came out funny. So it started a whole bit. Now it's, you know, I've done it three times and polished it up a little bit. And it's actually pretty funny. Um, what it said, right? Not that I just said it right there, but no prop. you know what I
1: mean. Oh yeah, I definitely know what you mean, so, man. Prop, um, props to you. So yeah, you're like, like, fuck open mics. I I need yeah. I need I need an engaged crowd. I don't need cats that are just gonna show up to some place or, or or a room full of just comics that are kind of paying attention to you.
0: Right. I can't remember the last time I was at open mic where I tried some new material and got good feedback, other than maybe a couple comics that were my friends that were like, oh this or that, you know. Right, right. So you don't... I need the laughter. I need to know it's like the crowd's into it, or if the crowd's not into it, I know if I wanna keep it I gotta redo something to it or, or just to see the reaction, you know, otherwise. On. Right on. My wife still loves me, so she thinks everything I say is funny and that's not the truth.
1: It's, you know what? See see that see, I I have the exact opposite. My wife doesn't think I'm funny at all. She's like, she doesn't get it. She doesn't. We, she would have completely different. Like, I mean, truth be it, no, I love my wife or whatever, but she laughs at like mundane shit, like banana cream pies and people's fucking faces or whatever. She thinks that's funny, but I'm like, whatever. I don't, I don't get it. That's, that's you. So, hey, props to you, man. You got a wife that's, I don't, I think, I didn't think it would probably fuck me up if my wife actually supported me. I don't think I could, I don't think I could handle that, you know, so it's cool to Uh, make that shit work.
0: And you know, I don't know how much of my material you remember, but fifteen minutes, twenty minutes of my material is just about marriage and about my wife and about real stuff that we've gone through and You still you still she supports it.
1: You still got the bacon the bacon. That's still lipping. That's
0: right? yeah, that's my closer and that's grown into a ten minute bit now. <laughs> it just never stops, dude. I hate that joke. Like, by the time I'm done telling that joke, now I'm like, and it's usually the one I close with. I'm like, man, I've been telling this fucking joke for so long. It's kind of turned. I do a little wordplay. I'm like, it's kind of turned me into somewhat of a pork star. I don't know. <laughs> I like that you know what I mean, to just go into like wordplay off of it, and then just end the set like, all right, I'm getting out of here before this gets any dumber <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: so, so the, another thing about you though too is that you, you've, you, you haven't had the easiest life. You know, I mean, you, you, have I mean, you're, you're, you're a pretty successful guy right now, but I mean, you've gone right. through some things, you know, can you touch on so some of that stuff?
0: That's mind? true to a point, but I I was set up to have an amazingly easy life. Like I had the great parents, great family, full college if I wanted to go. And of course I chose the route of going drugs. So I made my life difficult by myself. So no, I haven't had the the easiest life, but, um, it was all self inflicted um,
1: when you say so you, had just, you but wait, When you say you had to eat you could have you had to eat, you could have what
0: do you mean you could well? I just mean that my parents were fairly not well off, but they're upper middle class. So I had, I had all the support I would have needed if I wanted to go through college and become a doctor or if I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do, I could have done it. And I chose not to. You came from means. Okay. Gotcha. I came from means. means yeah. And, and uh, nothing to do, nothing bad about them. And uh, not that I realized that maybe if I would have realized when I was 15 that, Hey man, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. I never realized that I just got into smoking weed young in high school, got into doing, you know, acid, LSD, whatever, all the drugs. Um, and started dealing drugs really young and making a bunch of money. And then in that, when you're 17, 18 years old, you're thinking, man, this is the life I'm going to be fucking Scarface or whatever. You know, I'm going to, have it made. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh-huh. and none of that's all a dream. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then of course, when it all comes crashing down, my life was upside down and I'm in jail multiple times and facing years in prison. And, then, uh, and I don't know, somewhere around 30, 28 years old, I guess. Um, I mean, I did, like, I had, like, five years clean in between 21 years old and, like, in between 30, I'm not sure exactly what years, and went back to using. The second time I went back, if I would have stopped at five years clean, I hadn't done a whole bunch of damage in my life at that time. I would have had a really good chance of uh, succeeding even more. But when I went back is when I really started getting in trouble with the law, becoming more of a dope fiend and just doing this, that, and other, getting arrested all the time. And I was on my way to prison, and my daughter came to see me. My youngest daughter came to see me one last time, and she just walked in the visiting room with my friend. She goes, I only have one thing to say to you. Uh, you need to get it together because this is not my dad, and I don't want to see you until you get it together. And she turned around and walked out, and then I got on the prison bus and went to prison. Damn. And I didn't hear from her again until I got out, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because that was like.
1: How old, how old was she at that
0: point? She was 12, I think. Wow
1: she gave you that hard truth right oh to the man dome. she
0: gave me the tub yeah right to the dome dude that's all I thought about the whole time in prison so in prison I was a good kid <laughs> focused on just working in prison doing whatever I can to get out of there and then and when I got out I hit the ground running with full intentions of getting my life together which I did so were there any- I'm even one of the guys that paid back my hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in restitution and fines and The fucked up thing with SBA is that when you go to prison, because I have multiple kids, so I have child support from one one daughter, my first daughter, which I've always paid, even through my drug addict stages and all that. Never had a problem paying it. But when you go to prison, you have to file a motion that they don't necessarily tell you about to get your child support put on hold because you can't pay it while you're in prison. Otherwise, your child support just keeps adding up and adding up. And I don't know this because I'm in prison, so I get a letter in prison one day, like a year and two months in, saying was seventy four or sixty four thousand dollars of child support, damn, or something something ridiculous. I can't remember exactly the numbers of, and, and I'm like, what the hell? So I go to the counselor, and then file the motion to, because then they tell me I'm supposed to file a motion to get it to stop. But it didn't erase that past sixty four. So all that got added to my fines that were already that I already had my restitution and my you know all my damages. But I even met my wife like four months after I was out of prison. I moved in, no car, no money, no no nothing. Moved into my parents' house. Dead set on getting a job and then going to everybody that I owed money to, and pleading with them for author and compromise or pleading with them for payment options. And I did. I got a job. My dad took me to DMV so I could get my license straightened out and get my license back. He took me to work the first couple of weeks till I got enough money to pay DMV to get my license back. Which is a blessing to have that option. Otherwise, there's the bus and everything. I was dead. I would have done it no matter what, even if I didn't have my parents. Um, and then I met my wife like six months out of jail and I was just, and that was just cause I wasn't doing anything. at night. I was playing on Farmville, which is where I actually met her on the computer, wow. playing games, you know, playing games on the laptop. Cause I didn't want to go out. I didn't want anything to do with any of my, my friends or my people. I was not going back to that. And I was honest with her. We got to talking got to BS and actually becoming friends, like on Facebook and decided we were going to go out on a date. And then I was just honest with her. I was like, look, check this out. This is my life in a nutshell for the last few years. This is where I'm headed. This is what I got ahead of me that I have to pay off, and that I'm dead set on paying off because I don't want to owe anybody money. Last thing I want to do is start to get out there and become successful and have to pay $500 a month to all these fines. I want them paid off now. I want it out of my. I don't want that holding me back. You know what I mean, right, right, right. Definitely. And that's what I did. And she said, "You know what?" She said, "That took a lot for you to even be honest with me right up front. I didn't like try to get the pussy first, or because I wasn't even. I wasn't even about that. You know what I mean? It was about." Like, if I'm going to meet some chick and start investing time in her, I want to be honest with her because it can't be some whatever woman that's not going to, you know. Not that I expected her to say, oh, cool, I'm down. You know what I mean? I'll help you or I'll I'll, I'll be there for you. I didn't expect her to say that because we just met, but I just wanted to be honest with her to let her know what better than starting to really like each other. And then six months later or five months later, pop out. oh, yeah, guess what? I'm on parole. Uh, I owe $170,000. Uh, I live with my parents. I drive my dad's truck sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you
1: do you deal with
0: anybody from from your past? That I deal with so many people from my past now, and I have so many friends that have got their shit together, like through Narcotics Anonymous or whatever, and and, and I totally deal with them. Um, and I'm not opposed now because I'm done. I mean, I smoke weed now, and I still do my whatever I do, but my problem was meth, and I am done with that. You know what I mean?
1: You don't mess with that at all. That's what
0: you. Oh no, never. And even if I see people that I know from the past, just depending. I mean, I don't really want to be around them because meth's a monster. But I, I won't. I'll, I'll give them some encouraging words, or you know, tell them that life's better or whatever. But
1: do you? But yeah, do, I
0: do. I just. Do you? Remember, that part of my life's over.
1: Do you remember the first time you used meth?
0: Probably about 15 years old, I think. Really? Yeah. Terrible, huh?
1: Well, no, I got, hey, man, you're living, man. Hey, you know, we have all got a pack.
0: I got suspended. I got kicked out of school in fourth grade because I traded a joint for a cassette tape, and the kid got busted with the joint when he got home by his mom, and he stitched me off, and I got kicked out of school. Damn, you started early. And I wasn't selling weed in fourth grade. I was just smoking weed in fourth grade because one of my good friends, I guess his dad or whatever, a brother, smoked it, and he had it, and we tried it, whatever, you know what I mean? Man. Stupid choices, man.
1: Well, you know, hey, but but you got to look at it like this, though. It's it's those choices that like ultimately ended up making the person you are now. You know, so exactly. You know, I mean, that shit sounds kind of corny or whatever. But did you? No,
0: I'm pretty. Pro- I'm proud of myself. I overcame you a lot. You should be. Actually, You definitely. I've made myself be. into a to a a, a productive, you know, stand up member of society. I got people that trust me with all their all their assets. You know what I mean? It's not. Oh yeah, just Trust me. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It means a lot to me. So.
1: So so tell I was me able that.
0: to be there for my mom, <clears throat> you know, when my mom needed me, I was able to be there for her, for her being there for me so much. I was able to go out, and, you know, come, I, I used to work in Sacramento, so I'd come stay in the night at my parents' house because I worked like 13-hour shifts and I'd work three days. I'd stay two nights here instead of go home, instead of going up to the mountains home at night. So I got to spend some good quality time with my dad, go to the bar and have a beer with him every once in a while, and just know that he was proud of me again, you know. Yeah. Yeah. and all that kind of stuff it has huge meaning to me
1: well let me so, so that's the other thing you know what I mean like obviously you do you do put on shows you do stand up but what do you do what is your
0: real well I'm retired now as far as uh, basically we sold our house here Made a bunch of money and bought our house in Tennessee for nothing. Our house payment's $353 a month. Five acres, four bedroom house. I might, Beautiful house. I
1: might just bleep that out because motherfuckers are going to be jealous as I don't know what. Maybe come looking for you <laughs> and get a piece of what you got. And, for, uh,
0: so. uh, sorry about that. So anyways, what that did was, because I've always worked in machine shops, been a welder, always worked in industrial stuff. Okay. My last job, I was uh, I went to China to oversee this bubble wrap machine being built. A huge machine like 10-foot-wide bubble wrap, huge, not just your regular store-bought stuff. And then uh, th- that company hired me to go over to China to oversee their machine being built. And then in the process of working for that company for through the other company I was working for, because I worked for a pr- uh, project management company, so that's what we did, is companies would hire me to go set their machines up and get all their standard operating procedures or whatever needed to happen, happen. Okay. And in that process of working for that guy for um, – for those three months, like the time I was in China and getting this machine set up, we became pretty good friends. And My last day when I was getting ready to leave after the machine was up and running and all their operating procedures were written and their guys were trained up, he we were going to Kings games. He's a Kings fan, too, and he, he had season tickets, so he'd take me to Kings games and this, that, and the other. We'd go out to dinner and whatever. But the last day when I was getting ready to leave and go back to my other job, he handed me a, an offer sheet and said, I can't let you walk out the door without offering me a job. It was a little bit more money than I was making with the other company. And I was thinking, man, and I don't have to travel all the time to other states. I can be home pretty much every night, you know. So I took the job. But the bad thing was is that machine, you know, the toxins that come from, from burning, melting plastic. When I went and, when we bought that house and closed it in Tennessee and realized how much our cost of living went down, my wife and I sat down and we were like, you know what? Maybe you should just do comedy and sell wine for a living because uh, this, this is taking years off your life. <laughs> wow. So that's what I did and i you know I've been doing wine too I'm in the wine industry and have been for seven years
1: oh, seen So that.
0: that's always been another side gig like comedy um and I've just turned those into my still not full time but you know i do i do i work at the winery three two three times a week or different wineries I work for about six different wineries and then I do stand-up comedy and that's not making the I'm not making one hundred and eight thousand dollars a year anymore like I was, but I'm okay with that. Well, <laughs> I'm also yeah, probably I'm... gonna live till at least sixty five now.
1: <laughs> so, so, so I want to I want to roll back or whatever. How long were you in China?
0: I was in China for a month. How was that? It was amazing, dude. It was the best experience I've ever had. Not maybe not the best experience I've ever had in my life, but it was an amazing experience. I got to go. I had an interpreter guide with me the whole time except for like a few days in Shanghai. So we got to go into Shanghai for like four nights and which Shanghai is totally Americanized. It's like Chinese Vegas um, And what we did there, the cool thing what we did there was like on uh, what is that that oh, the amazing the amazing race that show the amazing race where they do like the the little cards so when they get into cabs, destination cards, so we printed up all these cards with our hotel on them, address on them. And then they had a little spot that we could write an address. So we'd go to the concierge at the hotel and say, Hey, we want to see some ancient Chinese architecture. And he would write that on our destination card. We'd give that to the cab driver. The cab driver would take us wherever we wanted to go, all kinds of different places. And then we'd go walk around for the day, eat lunch, have some beers, whatever. And then we'd jump back in the cab and give him the destination card to get back to our Uh hotel. That was, that was cool. Then we got our interpreter guide there with us. And, uh, we went to Wenzhou, China, which that's what I what you think of when you think of China, like, you know, gravel streets with high-rises, just, just everything you would normally think of with China, you know, and uh, it was cool. He, our guide took us around. He spoke perfect English, and uh, he was a really cool guy. Actually, we're still friends today, and anytime we had some downtime, because I had to work, and I didn't have to work, but I had to be in the factory every day, and they work, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And just the whole culture, the food. I mean, China ruined Chinese food, American Chinese food for me. It's so good there.
1: Was that, um, was that your first time um, being in another country or out of the United no, States? No, it was
0: my first time being in China. But not, I've been, you know, I've been to Mexico and I've been to uh, what else have I been? Puerto Rico. <clears throat> so Puerto Rico and Mexico and then China.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, how does I mean, like, with with our with our contentious relationship now with China? I mean, how does that make you feel? Does that I mean?
0: Are you It's weird because it didn't seem that bad, you know, ten, twelve years ago. But I wouldn't go now. Like if I was, I wouldn't do that same trip now. I don't think.
1: I don't yeah, you might fuck around and end up, end up like what's her face in China,
0: right? Or just you know with the the COVID and every how everything shut down. I would hate to be trapped. I mean, if I'm gonna get trapped in another country, I want it to be Italy or. Or Spain or Portugal or something. Not, not I,
1: trying to... <laughs> you know, you know it's funny, I had a I had a coworker, one of one of the um a nurse that I work with and she was she planned a trip out for her, so her and her, her and her friend were gonna like backpack through like Italy and she ended up getting covid but and got kicked out of her hotel and had to figure out a place to stay and basically was like in this place around this one bedroom like flat that she rented from some family and was praying that they didn't find out she had covid she was just there for like two weeks and and couldn't leave the country until she got out got out of covid she was like it was a whole experience and i was like yeah
0: like just like you said i was going
1: to try to leave the country right now not well now maybe but back then when COVID was in full effect yeah them things then
0: uh, truth be told we uh we were coming up on our 10-year anniversary which is march 26th and uh it'll be 12 years now but and we had purchased and planned and had a whole month trip planned because the company I worked for also had a facility in, in, in Italy uh-huh. and we had planned our 10 year anniversary to be in Italy for a month right before and then COVID hit, of course, but we paid for it and everything. It was like $17,000 going through a travel agent. Thank God I went, my boss told me because his, him and his wife were going to be there at the same time. He's like, oh, I'll just show you all the ropes and, and uh, you don't have to go through a travel agent. And I went through a travel agent anyways. Thank God. Cause we got almost every dollar back.
1: Did you did you what, did you get the trip Which, insurance or something or
0: yeah trip insurance and all that stuff and our travel agent took really good care of us but he struggled he got I think he ended up getting most of his back but he struggled like you know because it's a lot of reservations it's Airbnbs in Rome it's it's uh, hotels in Verona it's uh, a, a rental house in Venice it's you know <laughs> trip the airfare and the the, um, the train we got we bought the the train pass and two rental cars and. It would have been a nightmare to try and figure out if I didn't have her to do it for me. <laughs> um, so, well, so we ended up not going to Italy and remodeling our house. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so I'm gonna we're gonna wrap this up here in a second. But, um, so shows coming up. What do you got coming up?
0: Shows coming up. I have April. I produce two rooms. I produce a room in uh, Cameron Park, which is on the third Friday of every month, and a room in Placerville, which is on the second fr- Saturday or third fr- Saturday of every month. Uh-huh. And I try to bring the same exact lineup, headliner, or at least headliner to both shows to give, give a nice little run. Uh-huh. So April 14th, we have Jen Murphy coming up. She's a nationally touring headliner. She's coming up from uh, Studio City for two shows on Friday the 14th in Cameron Park at uh, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. And then one show Saturday in Placerville at Smith Flathouse at 8 p.m. And then their websites would be com for friday night and www.smithflathouse.com for saturday night and those are going to be fantastic shows they're gonna be my birthday bash shows and then i have mark yaffe coming in in may same thing third third friday and saturday and then uh uh, steve barkley coming in for my final california shows in the third weekend in june so
1: and that's that june that's so after that that's it you're you're leaving that's right i'm gonna still be
0: producing my rooms i'll still produce the shows remotely but i won't be there Man. which might draw more people. I imagine people get sick of hearing me every time. <laughs> nah, nah. Good guy. Man. But, yeah, they they want me, both rooms want me to continue doing the producing, and they're going to pay me a fee to produce the shows from Tennessee. So,
1: well, right on. You do you, think, you do you think you'll try to get anything started out there in Tennessee?
0: I've already got, uh, we stopped at a bar. Well, there's nothing in my, I mean, there's a brewery in my town, but there's nobody up there. Maybe eventually a little something because there's some Californians up there at the brewery that's by our house. Uh-huh. But we stopped at a bar on our way back to Nashville, which is about 45 minutes, uh, Crossville, Tennessee, which is a bigger city, and instantly became friends with the bar owner. You remember San Bruno. This guy reminded me of San Bruno. and yeah. You know, he's yeah. one of my best friends. Oh, yeah. And this guy instantly reminded him. We became friends on Facebook, and then uh, just through Facebook and him seeing all my posts and them doing all their events that they're doing, he's like, dude, when you get out here, we should do comedy. Okay. And I'm like, dude, when I get out there, we should definitely do comedy. Oh, wow. like. You're right. So it's just a matter of getting in the scene. I've already met a couple of comics from Nashville and just trying to get that same rotation of people, uh, you know, not same rotation, but just kind of like I have here. I can bring in locals from Sacramento and then I can bring, you know, like you in from and others from the Bay Area. And then I can also bring up bring people from all over the headline, you know.
1: Well, yeah, I'm sure, and if if, if they don't, but I'm sure that a lot of the local cats definitely got to appreciate you, man, for getting them the work that you're getting them, man. I mean. I would
0: hope so, man. I've, uh, I, I pride myself on putting on, I, I always say I'm not the funniest comedian out there, but I'm definitely the best producer. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and, yeah. I, and I take pride in it. I, you know, you you shit, you shit, did my promo video for the Inferno, and then oh, yeah. you saw those shows. I put a lot of work and a lot of pride, and I told my Placerville show, I don't know what happened, but our attendance started dropping down to like 10 people a night when we were usually getting 80, mm-hmm. and I finally told them, I'm like, look, dude, I'm bringing you nationally touring headliners, I'm and I, I got a lot of pride in what I put on, and I cannot keep bringing comics from out of state, out of town. I can't keep bringing these people here to small crowds. You got, and I was going to, I told him, you got like two months or I'm going to have to stop. I can't do it anymore. And uh, they stepped their game up. We've been sold out, except for last Saturday. We've been sold out the last four shows before that. But last Saturday was the day after St. Paddy's Day, so who knows?
1: So you don't, you don't ever, you, you don't do produce the shows, like you said, at, at the, at like the laughs or punchline or anything, do you?
0: No, they're great clubs. And obviously, you know, they're some of the best stages in town, but I need money and I'm doing this to make money. You know what I mean? So, right.
1: Yeah. Cause I know they, they give uh, me the, they have like a
0: give me the like, door or something. I don't like the free, like punchline does all those. Oh yeah, you produce any show you want, and it's a unlimited guest list. Well, how much are you gonna pay me? Because I'll pack the place out. I'll bring two hundred and fifty people.
1: You've ne- but, and you've never ever like that's that that has never like frightened you away. The fact that you have to get asses in the seats, you you're just like look. I I know I can do
0: this. Yeah, I know. I have such a good following, dude, and that's from putting on good shows all the time and having a lot of friends and. Then, so and the, making sure the event's fun.
1: So the very the very first show you put out, the very first show you put put because usually like the first show, I mean you figure the first show you're gonna do it, but then the next show. I mean, is it have you have have you ever had shows to where I guess you just said you did you had shows where there were ten people, but have you ever had to where you're like, Man, am I am I sure I should keep Well the cool this?
0: thing is, BA now is my room's in Cameron Park and my room's in Placerville, my room in Placerville. I don't bring people. I mean, I still promote it and I still try to bring people, but I love the cities. I don't have people in Cameron Park and Placerville like I do in Sacramento, but I, I get the word out there. I boost some posts, and those communities are supporting the shows themselves. I'm not. I mean, I bring a few people, but for the most part, they're they're selling out every night with Cameron Park people and and Placerville people, which is really dope. Because Sacramento, I used to make sure everybody I knew was there.
1: So all right. So let me so let me ask you this question. So as a, as a comedy producer. A guy, uh, let, let's say you got a guy who, who uh, a guy's a comic, and he decides, oh, I want to start putting on my own shows. What advice would you give him or her?
0: Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it just it depends. You know what I mean? What are you doing it for? If you're doing it for the money and you're not going to be, you have that, I go in and I turn down shows, and I've done one shows and stopped doing shows because my thing is when I talk to the person at the, the manager or whoever's in charge at the venue is, look, I'm going to put 100% of this. I 100% know you have alcohol, food, other shit you have to worry about. But if you're not matching my night with 100% effort into making this a success, then it's not going to work. Like, I know your bar is the most important thing, and I know whatever you got going on is the most important thing because you're doing it every day. But on December 17th, we're doing comedy here, and I need your full focus on to make that comedy just as much as you made whatever you had going on last night and whatever you got going on the next night, right? Right. Um, I need you guys posting about it. I'll make the flyers. I'll do all the hard work. I just need you putting it on your social media. I need you hanging flyers. I need you forcing your bartenders and your servers to say, hey, we got comedy coming up. This shit's dope. You should check it out. Check out Homegrown Comedy or check out uh, Mike Betancourt on Facebook or just, you know, you know what I mean? Like pushing it so people know. So it's a thing, you know what I mean? You push it for UFC fights. Right. I I see posters the size of the wall for UFC fights and for Sunday Night Football or whatever else, so. Just do that, and we'll be successful. And then it's been a it's been a recipe for success.
1: You just you just seem to me to have like an innate you know uh, just an innate uh, business acumen for this. I
0: mean, which is weird because I've had no training in it. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, you just you just you just gravitated to it, and you just you're doing what comes natural. And you know what? Keep doing it, man. Because gotta keep doing it. I you. can't
0: wait to get to Tennessee because that'll be the real answers. If I go to Tennessee, where I only know a few folks, and I can get get the ball rolling. I've already done it. I did it in Cameron Park, and I did it in Plaster Millen. Um, it took a minute to figure out the 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 recipe to make it work in Plaster Millen. Well, Plaster Millen worked from the get go, but. That's because the owner of that place was like, yeah, I, I went there to sell him wine. I took wine in there to uh, try to get my wine in his, in his bar and ended up getting comedy shows. And he was all in. He's like, oh, this is, you know, like, yeah, I want comedy. And uh, so he made that work. Um, but Cameron Park took a minute. I was, I was bringing people from Sacramento because I can still bring people from Sacramento if I need to. But I didn't want to. I kept telling the guy, I can pack this place out every show with my people that are coming from other towns. But why not just do it in those other towns? I want cameron park and 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 the recipe was I sent you that video we made, and actually putting a hundred dollar Facebook boost out there in that area, forcing it down people's throat on social media, and then it's only seventy five seats, so eight thousand people within twenty miles saw the saw the book boost. well, shit, it sold out two weeks early, and it's been doing that every month since then because it's, and that's what we're doing every time is boosting a post and it's just a short video, you know you now you see the sponsored videos,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, it just tried that work just get the word out you know what I
1: mean I didn't like when I see that Facebook stuff them them advertising saying you can do this I didn't think that type of shit even really made a difference but let's see i don't I don't have the innate you know acumen acumen like you do sir so
0: and I don't he I don't think it makes a difference if it's a for four hymns ad or or something stupid but you know one thing that's really big right now, especially with TikTok, is the, the comedians running 60-second clips, right? And People are watching those and sharing them. I see them all the time. I'm not looking for them. There's okay. some algorithm going. So if it's a clip of a comedian coming on being funny for 45 seconds, I think that's what catches people. It draws them in to watch that because they want to see something funny. And then I spam them with the flyer right at the end of the video and have all the information written on there. And they're like, hey, this, whatever. It's working. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's working. <laughs> wow shit well i'm glad it is oh, but i know me when i see sponsored ads i usually hide them or you know i don't, I don't think i've ever been drawn into a sponsored ad before
1: yeah no yeah i'm not I, well no i'll take that back they've gotten me with a couple of them you know i mean
0: there's some titties, yeah. titties are just i mean if, I if it's something ahead. you're interested yeah well exactly <laughs> if it's something you're interested in of course you're gonna watch it you know but i mean I'm right, look right. i already got my prescription for Viagra. i don't need for you know? him <laughs>
1: right <laughs> Well, all right, Mr. Beals, Chad. With all right, man, it's been fun, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, Chad Beals, guys, Chad Beals. Interesting guy, huh? I thought so. Fuck you if you didn't. Anyway, um, like I said, we're gonna have more of these coming. Um, it's been fun. This has been a long one, man. I haven't done one this long in a while. It's easier when you're not doing the heavy lifting. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Son.